Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We want to teach you stuff and make you laugh and also turn you on. I'm Sleeping Girl. I'm Cece. And we're the two hip chicks. So let's take a shot and get this show on the road. Hi. We're going to take a shot. And also it's, uh, oh, well, this computer says it's 6.36 p.m. That is not accurate. Oh. It is 1.16 p.m. And this is when we have time to record the podcast. <laughs> so this is what we're doing is we're taking shots and drinking at 1.16 p.m. So. All right. Um, let's do this. I don't know. We have, I have some leftover, like, tiny bit of leftover apple pie moonshine from one of the previous shots. And, and I. Cece has something that creme looks de really menthe, disgusting. Creme, creme de menthe with water yeah. because i put everything with water now. right but it looks and it looks like the green elixir from wicked like it's so green <laughs> it's so green it is so green all right cheers. cheers i'm not gonna appreciate this i think i can smell it already hold on oof god <laughs> yeah are you drinking the whole thing is that what you're doing that's a huge shooter well it was water i think that's oh, water you know oh, that god. has well, this isn't bad. Now I have to chug my drink. It's just like I drank toothpaste or something. <laughs> it's fine. Mmm, <laughs> tasty. I don't mind the taste of toothpaste. <laughs> now your mouth is broken. Am I green? No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> okay. Well, too bad for my my next newborn. Yeah. It's gonna be green. Yep. What now, do you do? Now that's stuck in my head. Great. Mm. All right. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sleeping Girl. And I'm Cece. And this is our Two Hip Chicks podcast. Two Hip Chicks where we have a couple drinks, talk shit about hypnosis, trans cake, all the stuff. <laughs> um, this podcast is not safe for work, and please don't listen to it while you're driving because we do trans during this podcast. Um, yeah, welcome back. Yeah, good it's, to, been a, good to, it's been a little while. Good to like metaphorically hear you guys listening to the podcast <laughs> as we do it. Um, so... Yeah, this is very exciting. So, I mean, obviously, you've seen the title of this podcast, and you've seen the description of this podcast. So I wrote a book. Yep. <laughs> um, and I've been talking about writing this book on the podcast for, like, a little while. Actually, someone pointed out that in some of our early podcasts, I, like, you were joking about me writing a book. Oh, really? And I was like, yeah, the whole book is going to be just constant vigilance, be consistent, and it's not just that. <laughs> there are parts of that, though. Um, this podcast is going to be pretty loose. Um, we're going to, I'm going to read maybe an excerpt or two from the book. Um, the book's about brainwashing, which yep. was like one of our first, when we were starting up the podcast, like one of the things we really wanted to talk about a lot. It was, we've done several episodes. Yeah. And these are like three years plus old at this point. Um, so like a lot of, I don't want to say my mindset about stuff has changed, but of course it's evolved over time. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's good. Yeah. And exactly. important. And I mean, so I wrote, I spent like two years writing the book. Um, and the whole thing kind of came about a while back, maybe two and a half years ago when I decided I was going to really look into, you know, people throw around the word conditioning a lot. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to kind of dig into more about it because people used it synonymously with brainwashing. And I was like, well, no, this is a this is a real psychological concept. Um, and like, let's see if we can like try to be educational about like learning what conditioning actually is and mm -hmm. like see how that applies to a relationship where you're like actually using those techniques for change in right, an erotic right. way. Um, we have done, we did a couple podcasts that have talked about like different aspects of conditioning, like Skinner and Pavlov and stuff. Um, but like, so yeah, I guess I'll kind of talk about what the book is about. I don't know. I really like, I don't know. This is somebody on tw somebody on Twitter was like you should do a really super pluggy version of uh, the podcast. For your this book. is why we're doing a podcast well, no, right obviously, now. Obviously, <laughs> obviously we're gonna. This was a little while ago, but obviously we're gonna. We have to do a podcast on the book. It's just a matter of course, of, like, of course. You know. Um. Yeah. So, it's called the brainwashing book, and the subtitle is "Hypnotic Erotic Behaviorism and Beyond," because I was really. When I was digging into what conditioning was, you have to learn about this thing called behaviorism when you're learning about conditioning, because um, in the, like, 1900s, there was this thought process in psychology about how people processed learning in different ways. Right. Um, and, oh God, I'm drunk. Can I do this while I'm drunk? <laughs> I would hope Good so. Lord. That's the whole point of this show. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> now I'm embarrassed. Why are you embarrassed? You wrote a book. Know. It's really hot. I mean, it is really <clears throat> hot. And really educational. I read it. You know what? Yeah, you did read it. That was very exciting because I didn't know if you were going to read it. <laughs> Why wouldn't I read it? I can read. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I literally read it while I was at work. <laughs> yeah. That worked out. Yep. Let's see. I'm going to, you know what, we're going to start off and I'm going to read the preface. Um, okay. Like, to give context, because I wrote context about why I wrote this book, and I don't have to bullshit about it. Cause sure. Because you wrote it down. Yeah. It's like notes. I know. And I know people were like, when's the audiobook coming out? I'm like, well, we'll get there. So this is like, this is an early look into the <laughs> audiobook. So probably if I, if I record the audiobook, I won't do it drunk. Really? Yeah. Oh, I guess that's, there's no that makes connection sense, right? to the book and drunk. And drunk, no. I don't talk about alcohol at all in the book. Unlike our podcast. Which is super alcohol focused. All right, let me take a nice big swig. Okay, me too. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, we didn't do cheers for our shot. Yeah, we did. Oh, did we? We clinked. I don't remember clinking. We clinked. Oh. We did. It was like right here. We clinked. I have verifiable I evidence. I think I'm getting gaslighted. I'm really pretty sure You're we You're not, clink. although I do write about that in the book. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. It's a good topic. <laughs> Clink. Clink. All right. <clears throat> so, here's the preface. Here we go. Okay. 
I grew up with a true fetish for hypnosis and mind control. Some of my earliest memories are being confused and excited by these sorts of scenes in movies, TV, and books. In particular, I found myself drawn to the fantasy of having my control taken away from me, being lulled under the sway of another, giving up all of myself because I was hypnotized. As a child, I wondered if this was some unspoken desire that everyone shared, but I somehow knew innately that I wasn't supposed to talk about it. Growing older, I came to realize that I was alone, or not quite, as the internet eventually revealed to me, just in a small niche minority. I was so incredibly ashamed by what I felt were these bizarre tastes. I remember swearing to myself over and over that I'd keep it a secret forever. But by 18, I found my curiosity for all of it grow insatiable, privately and obsessively doing research, listening to pre-recorded hypnosis files, watching video demonstrations, and eventually building up the courage to tell my girlfriend at the time about my proclivities. She was open to giving it a shot with me as the hypnotist, and so for the first time, I stumbled through my way I stumbled my way through parroting how I thought a hypnotic induction was supposed to go. It was messy, and it felt so embarrassing, but it was closer than I ever expected to get. For a few years, I dabbled with hypnosis on both sides of the pocket watch in my vanilla relationships before finally taking my first steps towards meeting other hypnofetishists, initially online and then going to real-life events, sharing space with like-minded people. It was an absolute dream come true, and it supercharged the way that I learned about this fascinating thing that we all share. I heard stories like mine over and over, and at last felt at home. I kept some of the shame as an exciting transgressive feeling, but got braver about talking about it, and especially doing it. But no matter how much I played, and I played as though I was making up for lost time, I always wanted more, and I found myself constantly yearning for those childhood fantasies of being completely taken, destroyed, reprogrammed, but now with a mirroring desire to do the same to someone of my own. And then six years ago, I was entering into a DNS relationship, and I remember telling my submissive partner what I wanted to eventually do. That's Cece. (laughs) Her eyes went wide, and she whispered privately to me, excited and nervous, You can't say that. I mean, that's the hottest thing in the world, but you aren't allowed to say that kind of thing. My skills as a hypnotist grew exponentially as I had a partner who, while she wasn't a hypnofetishist, wanted the same things that I did. And they grew adjacently in a different way. I began to really focus on what brainwashing meant to us and how we could achieve it in a long-term, ethical, and committed relationship. We did it all in a sort of vacuum. At the time, people weren't just weren't talking in depth about this sort of thing, and I always wished there was more resources from which I could learn. Talking about our relationship always made people echo that. And so about two years ago, a little drunk after work and having a passionate conversation with my brainwashed slave, I said fuck it and opened a blank document and started writing. This book is one culmination of my 10 years of practice thus far and my experiencing with brainwashing both as a hypnotist and subject. It contains no one-on-one hypnosis material. You won't find a description of how to do inductions or what hypnosis is. It is for the intermediate practitioner who is looking to learn not only about practical consensual brainwashing, but useful psychological concepts, concepts and more advanced hypnotic discussion that informs everything that we all do. While it's written from the perspective of the hypnotist, I encourage subject identifies individuals to read it as knowledge of the play that you desire to engage in is a key aspect of being able to consent to it and converse about it. Brainwashing is a way of connecting intimately on levels that we sometimes have no proper frame of reference with which to handle. It is exciting, it is hot, and it is intellectually mesmerizing. If you learn just one thing, I will have succeeded in what I set out to do. I learned a lot just by writing it. I wrote this book for you. You who picked it up, you who were curious in this, you who were, whoops, <laughs> you who picked it up, you who had some interest in this crazy fantasy, you who were curious, you had a journey, you who had a journey just like I did, similar or different, that somehow brought you here. Please enjoy it. 
So. Oh, did our computer just die? Nope. Yay. That recorded. I don't have a touch. It's fine. So. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we've been doing and talking about for like five years now, you know? I do. And. What? <laughs> <laughs> I do. And the book is like so much how I wanted to codify a lot of the concepts that I felt like I was talking about and trying to explain, but didn't really have the academic knowledge to back it up. So it was a lot of research, a lot of reading. um, And like to some degree, I had background knowledge of these kinds of things. Like I think everybody is sort of familiar with the idea of like punishment reward training and, and Pavlovian conditioning. Like everybody knows that stuff but not quite how it applies to uh, A, people, and B, a relationship, where that's like right. a focal point. Um, well, and definitely not an erotic exactly. um, context yeah, exactly. whatsoever. Um, <clears throat> and so when I think back to those early podcasts and us talking about like being consistent and constant vigilance and all of that, like... I think about the concept that I was super, super hung up on that I still think is really important, which is being attentive. Mm. Um, And that is a really important part of things, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it. So much more. Um, So, like, the first... So there's two big sort of really academic chapters in the book on both classical and operant conditioning and classical conditioning is Pavlovian stuff, you know, like the dog drooling with the bell and operant conditioning is the, the carrot and stick punishment reward thing. Um, and I wanted to include a lot about the more maybe nitty gritty aspects of those, not because it's super important to take into account exactly the minutiae of like oh what is like latent inhibition and what is like belongingness and expectation theory and stuff like it's all important but it's good reference material and I think understanding like where these things came from allows you to like apply it better right no of course or at least for a lot of people that's the case yeah absolutely there's also like to just sort of go through the contents of the book really quickly like the first the the introduction sort of gives a little bit of background on the history of behaviorism and what behaviorism is and the first chapter is really where we start digging into brainwashing and i talk about like what is a model for brainwashing Mm -hmm. um something that always struck me when people talked about brainwashing is that people would talk about it like in a vacuum. Like they would say the word brainwashing and they would say, oh, I like brainwashing, but there's no context or definition to what they actually mean when they say brainwashing. Interesting, yeah, sure. So there's a concept in um, NLP actually uh, that is a butchering of this word, but they use it, It's the word is nominalization, mm-hmm. and it's used to mean a, um, a sort of non-specific noun it's a noun that doesn't actually describe a physical thing so there's no literal definition to it this this usually comes up when you're talking about uh like 
a word that has been nounified, like uh, happiness. So it comes from like the idea oh, of being kind of like what when people are talking about like. Well, anyway, go 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 ahead. No, well, I was your, just gonna say. Thought, yeah. Well, basically, because there's this concept of when it comes to like emotions, uh-huh. we say we can like fake happiness or or fake this or whatever and technically it's just a it's a thing we can't actually fake it or not fake it it is what it is i would say that's related yeah so i mean i think that would be i I think that 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 is adjacent to this concept but this concept is more broad Mm -hmm. like the idea of um so like happiness going going back to that as an example there's no physical thing it's a it's an abstract concept it's a noun but it's an abstract concept it's not something you can touch or or explain very easily and brainwashing is the same um brainwashing is a concept that doesn't really have a solid definition and especially not one within the erotic community there is not a good concept there's not a good definition for it so like that actually is making a lot of sense. My, my first goal for this book was to be able to lay down a model and say, okay, what am I doing? Why do I consider it brainwashing? And what can people get out of that? Yeah. And so for me, um, here, I'll fucking quote myself because I have the book in front of me, the book that I wrote. That's crazy. This is a book. I wrote this book. I say this to myself a lot. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um... I'm looking. Here we go. For the purpose of this book, we'll be talking about brainwashing as a positive thing with a particularly broad kinky definition. A sexy form of play that allows us to set and achieve goals using a variety of well-known psychological methods and deeply enjoy the process and fantasies behind it. I mean, and I want it to be really specifically very broad. Specifically broad. (laughs) Yep. Um, because brainwashing does mean a lot of different things to people. Like for some people it it is necessarily about the fantasy aspects of it. Like the, the sort of tech control kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and the, the, um, the manipulative aspects and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but the, but, but to, to sort of include all of that, like the idea of having two people, two or more people, but in this case, two people where one person has goals and they want the other person to change to fit their goals. Right. Like, and, and there's elements of control in that and there's elements of power in that. And like, that's sort of your baseline. And then what you do to get there is kind of up to you. So brainwashing becomes this thing where it's like, oh, you have a brainwashing relationship. If you're being, if you're exerting control in ways that inside change. Right. No, exactly. That's like, and that, that was like where I wanted to start with it. Um, and then from there, moving on to, like, here are some things that you might be interested in if you're interested in changing your partner, you know? Right. Um, and change is, like, super hot. Like, for me, change is, is one of those things that is, like, kind of the core of my fetish of wanting to mm. to, to either be controlled or have control in a way that, that I'm, able to, I'm able to manipulate or coerce or create change. I like the word manipulate. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> well, that works out well. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, well. Um, and like I said, I talk about operant classical conditioning. Um, and we do hit on risk. Because you can't have this 
conversation about brainwashing without talking about risk. Um, and it's complicated. It is complicated. The super, whole thing is complicated. Like, if you, if you haven't picked up this book or you're thinking about picking up this book or you haven't read it yet, this book is not going to give you the answers about how to solve the problems of risk. And it's not going to give you exactly a list of what things are risky. Like, I lay out a bunch of ideas of yeah. what things could be risky in a brainwashing relationship. And I have a, I have a chapter on risk that is more focused on being able to learn the skills needed to assess risk. Mm-hmm. Because if brainwashing is this broad thing, which I believe it is, like not just in my model, but you have to acknowledge that people are going to have different definitions of what brainwashing is. You have to understand that risk can come from any place yeah. within it. So it's less about like being able to list out specific risks and more about learning the skills to be able to um, look at a situation and look at an activity and, and, and critically think what could, right. what could go wrong right. and how do I mitigate that. Um, so, yeah. What else is in this book? <laughs> <clears throat> well, one of the things I found very interesting Oh, yeah, please join was... in, dear God. <laughs> One of the things I found interesting, a couple of things. One, to just reiterate what kind of what you were saying to some degree, except from my perspective, which is you you did take this non-tangible concept. Brainwashing is is just, it's not a physical thing that Mm -hmm. you can touch. It's not tangible. Yeah. And I remember when we even did the podcast um, a couple of years ago, we were we had so many aspects to it, but we couldn't really define it. We were having a hard time, like, defining it. One of the things I think I loved about your book was that you made it more tangible. You made it more, like, broken down uh-huh. and and understandable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was in, it was, I don't know, none of it was too far over my head, and and I loved that. Um but the other thing I really loved, and, and probably no one else will be able to relate to this, well, but um, <laughs> but that's okay because I'm still saying it, was whenever I read a book, I always kind of put myself in the book. And so, um, you know, I'm like, oh, they're talking about me or, you know, oh, I'm this character in the book or whatever. And when I was reading your book, I was like, went through the same thing like I had the same moment of oh they're talking about and then (laughs) oh wait they are they are actually talking about me I mean which is very surreal it is so much (laughs) surreal I mean it is it is very much a 36,000 word love letter (laughs) (laughs) you know I I do obviously I I, I get a lot of uh knowledge and inspiration from a lot of places but this has always been a model that I use with you. Like this is the right. this is the thing, um, and so to some degree, like under like having listened to our podcast, I think gives people a lot of um, context for that's true. Some of the stuff like there's even like when I was writing, there's a chapter, there's a really long chapter in this book um, called Tools, Chapter Eight, I think, 
Uh, yeah, and it needed to be that long. It though. needed to be that long, and it's the the entire chapter is a bunch, a, a series of essays, sort of small articles about various uh, examples mm. and tool and tools and and things. Like for example, mm. there's a um, uh, discussion about anchoring and triggers, uh, using pleasure, mm. using praise, using mantras, um, uh, causality, all this stuff. Um, and I, I legitimately, for for mantras and pleasure and praise, I looked back in our podcasts because we have had these discussions about yeah, it. Absolutely, and yeah. I obviously like tweaked and and shifted stuff, but it was so funny to be writing the book and be like, I've had I've had these in depth conversations right. about this. Right. I should probably look back and see what I said. You know. Um, I didn't actually so know that. That's hilarious. Be, so some stuff is going to be familiar, and and you're able to, uh, basically, like build off of that kind of thing. Well, I think that's the thing, right? Is your book is, uh, kind of how how do you get that foundation started, and right. like the building blocks involved in the process, right. and figuring that out. How do I, how do I talk about this? What do you mean? You've been like, talking about it to, for about, to... like, 24 minutes. Yeah, poorly. <laughs> no, no, you're this is drunk. Bad. Oh, this is, yeah, this is the part of the oh, podcast where I'm like, this goodness. is terrible. This is the part where you just have to, like, ignore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we don't bleep it out, so like, you just have to ignore it. <laughs> there's a whole... So I, I do have a chapter about hypnosis in the book, um, but it is not so much about... Um, how to do it as how to look at it. Sure. I, I felt, as I was writing it, I was, like, in the middle of a couple of really interesting books about Erickson. And yeah. And Ericksonian stuff, and I was like, this is necessary for people to understand, so I guess I'll talk about it. So we did a podcast on utilization a bit ago, um, and I feel like I codified... I didn't actually listen back to that to, to do this, but... I feel like I codified a lot of... Actually, I probably did that podcast in the middle as I was writing that chapter. Is what, what I'm sure, I was actually thinking about sure that. Happened. Yeah, because um, it wasn't that long ago. And, uh, and I feel really happy about the way that I <laughs> presented it. Sort of the concept of being able to look at an interaction and improv... Um, like likening it to actual improv. Did we talk about this? I don't recall. Do we talk about improv? Yeah. I uh, believe so. Yeah, I think we did. I don't think it's the it's the podcast that's in the thing. No, that's on never mind. Which one? Personalities or something oh, like that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, but they you guys we don't still, know about that we yet. We still have a pod so there was like this was like <laughs> almost a year ago at this point. We were doing <laughs> There's a podcast just waiting. There is for a you podcast. Guys. There is a podcast just waiting. I don't remember. There's no trance. It was about we did a podcast about um persona stuff. Yeah. And it I was, was good. sick. I was You got sick right at I the time sick, of the trance. Well, I to got be. sick as it was going. Like I was feel I was like getting a fever as we were talking. <laughs> it was bad. And then we, like, stopped to take a break between the, for the trance, and I was sitting there, and I was like, I can't do nope. this, I'm dead, no. and then I was dead for two weeks. Yeah, um, like, you were sick. 
Anyway, I know, and it's like we just have to do a we have to transfer. But also, (laughs) I don't, I don't feel like super confident about it because oh no, it's great, shitty. No, it's great. Was it really? Yeah, you don't know. I do. Oh. Also, if you want to do that topic again, that's fine with me. That's a hot topic. It's a good topic. Anyway, um, there's a there's a glossary. And then there's a conclusion. Sleeping Girl literally just keeps flipping through this book. chapters. She's being ridiculous. There's an about the author page. So so you said why you wrote it and everything like that. Um, Like, I don't know. Did you you enjoy it? Enjoy the process of writing? I loved the process of writing. (laughs) You you set me up for this. (laughs) I just want you to stop talking about... Glossaries, it's fine. <laughs> I loved the process of writing this book. It was like my favorite thing. I loved every aspect of it. I loved doing the research. I loved setting up a bibliography. So you can't get me to stop talking about the fucking reference materials. I, I loved, I loved, like taking time when I felt motivated to just sit there and be smart and write smart things. Yeah, like, and find my voice in it that's pretty you know a little that's because i write a lot of erotica um yeah and i I feel very positively about my writing um but this is and i've done small articles here and there that are educational but nothing like this obviously Mm -hmm. so like being in a place where i was like shit i'm an author shit i'm doing this and i'm watching the word count go up and up and up yeah and like the document get harder and harder to load on google and like (laughs) um and just every part of structuring and just it would be like i would be the first couple weeks of writing was insane. I was writing like 2000 words a day, which is quite significant. You are a fast, like, I don't, I am people a fast don't writer, but I'm not that. that fast. I know people who write much faster than I do. I can't and, imagine. And slower, but I'm so much um, slower, but I was writing like 2000 words a day for like two weeks, Yeah, you know, and, and, and changing stuff around here and there. Um, and then you would go, then I would go through periods of time, like a month where I didn't write anything. Yeah, sure. And you, you feel a little shitty about that, but I never felt that bad. I knew I would yeah. get back to it because when you, when you're sitting there and you've got a doc that's even like 10,000 words, that is something and yeah. you, there's motivation, you know, even if you're not super feeling in the mood to be able to be that smart, like there's motivation to go back to it and, and, and deal with it. Um, and sometimes it was, sometimes the really productive sessions were not about watching the word count go up. It was about editing and, and changing mm-hmm. stuff around. And, um, every, every aspect, I loved it. I loved writing book. I should mention I'm writing another book. <laughs> I'm like six, I'm like 6,000 words into another book and it's about NLP. Um, and I think it's going to, I have not really decided if it's going to tie into brainwashing. Um, yeah. but I don't want to just write a book about NLP, but I also like, don't want to force it to connect with brainwashing. So I'm not sure, but I've got 6,000 words about NLP because I'm super, super done with not having something to point to about NLP that is, that is like, that is 
both not bullshit and like relevant to the community. Yeah. Like, so that'll be good. I have to like, when I talk about the process of writing this book, I have to mention Gleeful Abandon because she was my editor for this project and I am, we, she and I have collaborated on various, like a couple other projects here and there and we work so well together. Like it is so much fun. Um, and she was helping me through parts. She was helping me with a little copy editing. She was helping me with structure. And, uh, I am so grateful. I am so super grateful. Gleeful Banded, you're great. So there you go. Deal with it. Uh, but I loved every part of it. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. I want to write more. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a one and done for you. No. No. And honestly, I, I think it like kind I of opened it, up this. Yeah. This you know thing inside of you that. Right. I found the whole process quite <clears throat> addictive. Um. I'm just flipping through. I, I feel like I should read, I feel like I should read another excerpt. In our really? metaphors in our metaphors podcast we um I read an excerpt, an unfinished excerpt from the metaphor section. I'm trying to remember where that was at this point. Is it in tools? Not sure. I should know, right? Oh, is it I mean... fantasy? That's right. So I think I want to read, because I, I have been thinking a lot about NLP, and you can sort of see the, the very last thing that I kind of wrote for this was in Chapter 8, um, the Tools chapter, and there's three sections that finish up that chapter. Um, one is about causality, um, one is about the concept of traps, and one is about control. Um, and those were those were kind of the very last things that I wrote for the book because you mm -hmm. don't always write in sequence like right no of course so um I think I'm gonna read the causality section but you should know that these three small sections go together I'll, I'll read this section and then I'll talk about the next two so this is a this is a concept that is from NLP, but I'm sort of adapting. Um, okay, so section is called causality, cause and, cause and effect, and complex equivalence. While neuro-linguistic programming or NLP is divisive and ill-defined in many ways, there is knowledge to glean from various aspects of it. NLP attempts to create a model for modeling people, as well as specifically looking at the work of renowned therapists, including Milton Erickson, to see exactly what they were doing that was so effective. This book is not going to dive into the vast majority of NLP, although you're encouraged to do so on your own, but will address two concepts from it that are quite useful, cause and effect and complex equivalence. Both of these are part of a larger attempt to break down patterns of thought and speech. From one perspective, these describe flaws, flawed ways of thinking, but from another, they're a way to induce trance or change minds. Cause and effect patterns can be described as, can be defined as statements implying that a particular action causes a specific reaction. An example of this might be thinking, they lowered their voice because they're hypnotizing me. Complex equivalence patterns are related. They suggest that one thing is related to and means something else. 
For example, being brainwashed means being brainwashed means that I'm easily suggestible. Note that language concepts like because, therefore, if then, this means, and other words and phrases that serve to connect and apply correlation or causality are important in both cases. NLP aims to challenge these patterns when they are problematic. For example, they aren't talking to me, therefore they must dislike me. But it also aims to use them as tools to create change. For example, you're listening really attentively, so you're probably going to go into trance much more deeply. While the former, called the meta model, in NLP is worthwhile to research. It's the latter, the Milton model, that we are going to focus on here. On the surface, these concepts appear useful for tricky language patterns, and that's true. Using them in, sim in simple suggestions is good practice, but much more than just crafting single phrases with them, you should strive to understand that you can create causality as an essential element of your hypnosis, conditioning, and brainwashing as a whole. For example, if you're thinking about how you want your partner to feel controlled, Orient yourself to think about why they would feel that way. How would you explain to them that this is an effect created by a cause? Is it that they are following suggestions and responding perfectly? Is it that you've implemented changes in their life? And always consider the inverse. Are they doing all of these things because they feel controlled? How can you best express that to them? One of the most simple patterns of hypnosis works adjacently to these concepts. State a few things that are already true such as that you're observing the way that their body is positioned, that they're listening to you, and that they're giving you, you're giving them your full attention, and follow up with suggestions, such as that you are watching their breathing slow down or that you can see other signs of trance. This is another example of creating complex equivalence because you're clearly pointing out truths. There's an assumption that those truths lead to or mean something else. Your partner is motivated by the initial, yes, that's true response that they experience and thus the suggestive part feels like it is equated to it or caused by it. it, is presupposed. In reality, any part of a causality statement could be potentially vague or unverifiable. Of course, it's best to be convincing about these suggestions. The more you stretch, the more of a chance that they will do their internal check and find a disconnect. To some degree, utilizing these principles most effectively is a result of being able to think outside the box and see equivalence and causalities in places that you might otherwise overlook. It's a mindset change, just like conditioning. Where, where can you see these patterns in their behavior in life, and then how can you take the next step? A brainwashed person may be even more inclined to create that equivalence or causality in their own minds about what you do, and you can reinforce that way of thinking. So for each of these sections, I also, um, in, in chapter eight in particular, I give examples for each thing. So here's some examples of causality. You're brainwashing them because they deserve it for being so good. Um, experiencing things this intensely means that they are giving up so much of their control to you. Being this condition probably means that their orgasms will get stronger when they think of you. Or they are going to get really good at pleasing you sexually because they've been thinking about you so much. Um, absentmindedly forgetting something might mean that they're actually getting a little dumber. And uh, your ability to learn through conditioning makes you well suited to being brainwashed. So like just a few ways to think about like how, how to think mm -hmm. as a hypnotist. Right. You know, the next section, like the lot, like I said, those last three sections kind of go together and the next section I call traps. Um, and it's essentially the concept that when we're doing hypnosis and brainwashing, one of the most effective things that you can do is uh, 
change where the goalposts are mm. and like include like utilize existing behaviors and explain them as a part of brainwashing like not necessarily in a tricksy yeah. like gaslighty way uh, although it can be but mm-hmm. but just the idea of like um oh you know you got up on that side of the bed this morning well that means you're super brainwashed right and it's, and right. it's sort of related to that concept of causality which is something that you can like when you extrapolate from the idea of making things cause and effect, like, right. all this stuff opens up to you. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yep. Because something that's just, like, mundane or whatever can suddenly become hot A part and of exciting. It. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the last section in that chapter is about control, which is sort of integrating the, the sense of control into doing all those things. Right. You know? Right. My fetish. Mm-hmm. My core fetish. Mm-hmm. Mine too. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. Probably my secondary one is humiliation. Yeah. So this is a book. Please check it out. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know what else to say. I really I'm not sure how to how to have an entire podcast on a book without just being like hey i wrote a book you have (laughs) been going over and beyond if you don't think you have then you're just wrong i spent 10 minutes like wheedling 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 we were talking about why you created it and other aspects and everything that's part of the process (laughs) ellie i will say that this book does focus pretty heavily on the conditioning side of things it is oh it yeah. is first and foremost a book about behaviorism um and and conditioning yeah um which i feel very happy about i think for me that's one of the biggest aspects of my style of brainwashing with you it has uh-huh. a lot to do with with understanding those things um but of course there's more there's a lot more um I mean, you made it so that, honestly, even though, like you were saying, it's a love letter kind of thing mm-hmm. or, or kind of about our relationship or whatever to some degree, right? I don't think you closed the door no. to other types of relationships. Right. Like even non-DNS relationships, you do acknowledge a domination submission yeah. or master-slave relationships, which is what we kind of have. Right. Um. You didn't close the door to other types, you know? Right. In fact, you made control could be one of the aspects to some degree. You didn't even make it so that it... Like, like has to be. Has to be. Right. Which I loved, actually. Even yeah, though... I tried to be... I could relate less to it. Right. It doesn't change the fact that I loved that you kept the door open for all the different variations that right. people want to do. Mm-hmm. It's really a good book. Everyone should Thanks. read it. Um, yeah. It's. I'm. I come from a background of psychology. Um, like I went to college for psychology and everything, and it's a really good book. There's a lot of concepts when it comes to psychology in particular that are hard to explain. Yeah. Right. Kind of like you were saying, most psychology things are intangible, quite frankly, um, and this book kind of helped give them structure 
which is always nice. Yeah. Cool. Praise me more. <laughs> Say more nice things. <laughs> I mean, then you just get to the point where it's like, yeah, you're awesome and it's well, wonderful. That was the first that was Risks. the first that was the first freaking podcast one of the first podcasts we did was about like how do you how do you deal with the fact that your partner is brainwashed and doesn't have an objective view of you? Yep. And I think what we came down to at the time was, well, it's gonna happen, you gotta deal with it. And honestly, and I talk about it in the book. Like, yeah, a like little. it is it is one of the risks and um that's true. It is gonna happen and you do have to deal with it. And I mean I feel like I said what I wanted to say in that regard a lot of it being sometimes the risky stuff is going to happen and you can't do anything about it. Whatever magical things you try, if you try to reset someone to a previous state, you're not really, like, it's not happening. Right. You're resetting them to where they currently think their previous state was. Of course, like, of course, it's all right? This, all this stuff. You can't put someone in a box and, and take them out later. It doesn't work like that. Um, and so I try really hard to... Um, give ways for people to work through these kinds of things and, and mitigate risk even if it is something that's going to happen um i personally and i'm sure i said this on the last one too don't actually think that's one a problem mm. like i don't feel like it's a problem in our relationship i really don't but i don't think you push really hard uh like i don't Actually, I don't even think you really push at all. For what? For me to think you're amazing. Like, you don't actually put that in there. Like, I don't feel like you, like, are pushing me to think of you in a way that I don't already think of you. Yeah. So, so if you ask me a question about something, I'm usually pretty straightforward and honest about it. Like, I'm not... I, don't, I mean, I don't really kiss butt. Like I don't. No, well, and that's that's not unless like, you're. I want to. I I have not <laughs> for other reasons. Well, like I've not done any really purposeful fucking with that. With, no, you haven't. With your personality in general and the things that I like about you, and one of them is that you are like a good judge of character and a good judge of right. things, and like. There's some things, there are some things I feel like you judge risk poorly, but we've had that conversation. For? <laughs> For lots of king stuff. Oh. <laughs> do you remember we used to, we used to do rope and, and, and like your hands would go down and you wouldn't tell me and then we had to have a conversation oh. about it. Yeah. Like, that just, was a while back. You have a, you have a, you have a bar for But risk that wasn't that actually because of brainwashing. No. So. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying most of the time I, I trust your judgment and things mm -hmm. except with some stuff <laughs> i guess that's fair but that wasn't that wasn't because you were brainwashed that's just because you have different risk assessment than i do well also if i'm playing it depends on it was you i mean it was you but it right. wasn't because of the brainwashing it was right i just didn't because you want to upset you bad judgment with me i mean I guess that doesn't actually matter if it's brainwashing or not at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah. The actual, the actual point of it. The oh, I actual, think I'm making a point. Well, and, and I, I, I do talk about this. The actual point of it is if you have a really good scene with somebody, yeah. you are changed. Your, your impression of them is changed. 
by very foundational psychological concepts, the way that you look at them has changed, that your judgment changes around them. There is no way, you can't fix that. That's just a name. Yes, you that's can. That's just how it happened. But, well, but you can, right? Because you did, right? Like, because you said, mm-mm, it's not okay. Well, if you no, go numb, you have to let me know. But, that's, but I'm saying you can't, you can't, you can't quote-unquote fix the way that somebody's impression of you is going to oh, change the first part. based on a good scene or a good interaction. Yeah. Like, um, these are just things you have to factor in. Like, and, right. and people... People who are experienced tops in the community, for example, are are well aware of this, especially, you know, there's a lot of talk about people who are presenters having to be very aware of the sort of like, um, you know, be very careful with with uh, new people because they yeah. see you as, a, as someone on a pedestal and you have to be careful. And it's the same thing in relationships. Yeah. Um, or can be. It, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't know. I think... Did we say everything? Yeah. Am I missing something? I mean, if you say too much more from that book... I'm going to tell They the won't book. need to read it. No, you have to read it. See? I'm very smart. This is my point. <laughs> uh... Between the podcast and what we're saying right now about your book, they won't need to read it if you get anything else. I feel... Uh, now I just want to, like, bullshit for a while. I don't know. What, what... Well, then let's do that. Okay. I That's who we are. I know. Well, and I've been I I'm a little drunk, so I've had like an attitude and now I'm like feeling feeling bad about it. Attitude? Yeah. For what? I've been like I wrote a book. I'm so smart. That's what I sound like. That's an attitude? Yeah. Okay, do you want to know what you sound like? This is what you sound like. I don't like this. <laughs> Hold on. This is what you have been sounding like if you think it was an attitude. <laughs> I want to this is my interpretation no, 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 of Sleepy no, Girl, no, even though you already no, heard it, so you don't really need to hear me say it. So oh, because I'm really loud. Yeah. So, so I wrote a book. <laughs> Guys, my, you might want to read it. I don't know. Well, I'm it's like, pretty good. I'm like, we have to redo this entire podcast. No, we're good. We're we good. To, we have to re-record it. We have time. This is we'll the second... This is the second time in the podcast you have to ignore her. <laughs> what was it? The 20 mark? I'm not. The 20 minute mark? I'm not confident enough. This is like that uh, six, six o'clock thing where you're like, I want to go tired. to bed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, look at the clock. <laughs> anyway, nobody gets that. So, Maybe you'll get that. Yeah. I mean, let's I mean, let's that's just, logical, right? I feel like right we after should dinner. just sit and chat. I, I want another drink soon. Actually, that's a bad idea. It's like 2 p.m. <laughs> Wait. We probably should eat. Oh, you're right. We probably should eat. Shit. Like lunch. Well, but I want to sit and chat on the podcast for a while. Okay. Cause so I wanna, let's like, chat. I want to like make it go. So we, um, so the next podcast that we do will, will probably be right after Charmed. We'll do our usual Charmed recap. Um, which if you are going to Charmed, we are teaching, we are teaching a whole shit ton of classes, <laughs> four classes, um, two of them are discussion groups, so, but you should come to those, because they're always Cause good. Because they're awesome, um, yeah. we're doing, we're doing subject discussion, um, and we're doing brainwashing, brainwashing discussion. discussion, um, which we have to kind of see where we're going at this point, because, like, the last time we did brainwashing discussion, it was very much a, hey, I'm working on this book, please help me. Right. <laughs> you know, um, 
and it, and they were super. We got a lot of great notes from everyone. Those are all available online, various places. Um, and then the two classes that we are like really teaching, teaching, are uh, a rope for hypnosis class. Very hot. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about these. Um, and the 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 sort of pitch for that is like, hey, rope and hypnosis are super super interconnected you don't have to learn any fancy knots or do any memorization to be able to use to be able to to come into this class and walk out knowing how to use rope in a hypnosis scene done um so so i'm very excited about that um it's it's hands-on if you're if you are going to charm it is hands-on and partnered so ideally coming to the class with partners good there will be time to to partner up and there's also uh some of this you can do by yourself um but most of it yeah. is partnered yeah we actually you, talked we, about yeah, that we were talking about how like probably you can explore these exercises with yourself in like a sort of self-hypnosis self-tie kind of way yeah um, why not and obviously in every class no participation is expected you know if you if you don't want to for whatever reason it's fine um, and the second class we are teaching is, uh, scissoring. Scissoring. Scissoring and hypnosis, or scissoring, I don't even know what we call it, the class. It's hypnotic scissoring. scissoring. Yeah, hypnotic scissoring, I think the, probably. the, for all genders, and, yes. um. And it's not a, uh. This is, okay, hear me out. The scissoring class is kind of part two of the rope class. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. But they are related, and if you do go to one, I really recommend you go to the other. Um, yes. Or especially if you go to the rope class, I recommend you go to the scissoring class afterwards, because they, they it is sort of part two. Um, so we'll tell this story in... Yeah, I, yeah don't do it you know, on the podcast. You want me to tell the story now? No, no, because we are... It was born out of a legendary <laughs> hotel room night <laughs> at a Nihu after party one year. And we've been asked for years to teach a scissoring class um, because some people don't think it's real and (laughs) it is real. And also it's great for hypnosis. And also mostly the class is um, uh, about intimate touch and and using using your body to be hypnotic in an intimate way. Yes. Um, So. Perfect. Yeah. So that's going to be perfect description. That's going to be a stellar class. I'm I'm really super excited about all our classes this year. Yes. Um, and what I was going to say was that's going to be a uh, not like a workshop. That is not thing. a workshop. You will not be. We are doing the demos We're on that doing one. It. Nobody else is doing demos on that one. Um, I, I think that's just best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't want to. That's that's bad. Um, there's also there's also a, a small chance I will say this there is also a small chance that Mr. Dream and I are going to do an unconference um a sort of impromptu unconference class in the morning whenever we do unconference stuff that it will be very good so if we do do it check it out also I am demo bottoming with him for uh advanced fractionation which is yes. a super good class please come He's very smart, um, and yes. that'll be great. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Charmed is coming up. I will be bringing books. Um, pre-orders, I, I did a sort of pre-order thing online. Um, 
Are you still taking... I am not taking any more pre-orders, okay. so please don't message me about that. Um, <laughs> but I will be bringing a bunch. I think I have 50 for just open selling. Oh, really? Yeah, I went kind of hard on it. Yeah. I think we're going to sell a lot of books, I'll be honest. Okay. Um, so well, we it's will not like be... They- Go bad. Yeah, exactly. We'll have for <laughs> Nihu if we have if we have leftovers. Um, we'll be vending on whatever night vending is. Usually Saturday. Saturday night. Saturday I think. night. Um, so come find us. I will be doing signings. I know people have been asking for signings. Yes. Oh God. I'm gonna get writer's cramp. I know. You may actually get writer's I, well, cramp. Well, probably. Well, I have. I'm super. It, it's gonna be funny because like, I'm super bad at actually holding a pen and writing with it because yeah. my hand shakes and I have to I grip it really hard it's really yeah, silly no. no but I mean no that's not silly but I just um, mean you might actually get writer's cramp oh of course so my hand's gonna hurt after like two copies my hand hurt after I signed the two copies that I have signed already oh, okay <laughs> oh yeah I'm gonna be screwed but I'm not yeah um but I just want to like say thank you to everyone Aww. who has like supported us not only with the podcast, but also with the book stuff going going forward through all of it. I like this la- the last two months were just insane because I was pushing to get it done. I was doing all the publishing. Like I'm doing, I did self publishing. I did all the formatting myself. I did the cover myself. I did everything. You know? Yeah. And so it was a lot of management stuff of trying to just get it done, get it out, um, because I wanted to have it returned. <laughs> you know, and. Um, everybody was so supportive. People have been so excited about it and, and being like, oh, when are you going to finish it? And yeah. it's like, oh, soon. And, um, like, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really happy. Um, and, yeah. I don't know. What should we talk about now? I don't know. I'm Are almost we... done with my drink. <laughs> Are we doing... Do you want to take a pause? Yeah, let's take a pause. We'll get another drink. Because you need another we'll drink and come stuff? Back, come back and chit-chat more. Okay. We will do trans eventually, obviously. But <laughs> I just feel like bullshitting, so... BRB. Okay. So we we took a little break. We had lunch because we needed we needed food. We were drinking on fairly empty stomachs, which is very silly. Don't do that. Um, uh, and we actually I just tweeted out uh, and posted on our Discord server to see if people had any questions they want us to answer on the podcast about the mm-hmm. book. And uh, we have a few, so I figure we do that. Nice. That's fun. Um, let's see. So, uh, we'll start here. Um, Ambrosial Arts on Twitter asked, uh, I'm always interested in the cut material, if any, partly because I find it interesting to know what other people do when trimming. Aside, I found just mentioning or demonstrating or reading the book to subjects to be an amazing tool for provoking reactions. I'll respond to that last part first. But this is actually, it's funny that you say that because um, in a very, very early draft of the book, I had a section about how um, learning about the history and like learning 
some of the more in-depth psychological stuff will make you seem smarter to subjects and mm-hmm. like demonstrating that you have that knowledge is like a big part of like making yourself look like the knowledgeable person and be the knowledgeable person and that can be super good for people mm-hmm. um i think i ended up cutting that uh, i didn't remember reading that yeah so so uh so that's one thing that i cut the i i, I didn't do a whole lot of trimming um but there was one section, one big section that I remember cutting was uh, about how when I was thinking of doing reinforcements, um, I had this concept of like, well, when you're reinforcing, you have several options of, of reinforcing a behavior or in particular, like rewarding or thanking someone for something mm-hmm. like about um, you can, if you're doing it hypnotically, you can set up a trigger that that automatically triggers a, a good response to them when they do something right, or you can individually every time go in and suggest something every time that they do something right. Um, and there was a lot of discussion about like if you are setting up a, 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 a like for example a pleasure response after they do the dishes or something. Um, right. How to like thoughts about how to do that and make it more um effective like yeah like when does this response like when exactly does the response trigger and that kind of thing and the whole section was a little messy and weird and honestly i felt like i kind of explained more about that as i wrote around it Mm -hmm. than that particular section i still think it's worth thinking about when you're reinforcing a behavior um how you want like what are your how to reinforce it how to reinforce it and like what are your ideas about like how that reinf- like how that reinforcement is a part of their life mm. like i feel like that's that's legitimate to consider but i feel like i answered that or like gave the tools to think about that in a different way right um yeah um thank you for the question that's a great question um, the other thing that I it was not quite cut, but it was like, was I going to have to write an entire section? When I wrote the ca- causality part, I was like, oh shit, I'm talking about NLP. I've not introduced NLP anywhere else in this book. Do I have to write? Yeah. Do I have to write a section about NLP? This would be an entire chapter. Hell, uh oh. Like, oh no, yeah. I really don't want to do this here. And so I ended up, uh, ultimately not, and just introducing yeah. NLP very, very briefly. And um, and that's where the second book is coming from. <laughs> because I had a lot to say, and I, I have a lot to say about it. Um, uh, like I said, that's that's what we're doing for second book. Um, so, uh, another question from Limo Wanderings on Twitter... Uh, they asked, how did writing the book refine or change your understanding of brainwashing from what you knew when you decided to write, i.e., did writing change your views or assumptions? And we sort of talked about that already in the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but there was a lot... Let me, let me like, re-parse this question. Um, I think when I was starting to write about brainwashing, I didn't really have a good understanding of it. 
or of a model for it. Like I was struggling from the same problem that I feel like a lot of other people struggle, which is that it was a nominalization and I didn't have a good concept of what it was. Like we sort of intuitively knew what brainwashing right. was, but didn't give any real concrete thought into like what practically does that involve. Right. So for me, it was a lot about like, going through and understanding behaviorism more. Um, and I think the book is really deeply about behaviorism. Mm -hmm. And I really like behaviorism, like the concept that, that people and all organisms are sort of, to some degree, stimulus response mechanisms, like right. input-output kind of thing. Um, and, I, and of course, I understood that that was a simplified thing. Mm -hmm. And behaviorism is not the, the the most updated or current way of processing, like, human behavior. Um, but I think I learned more about the aspects that are relevant in that and ways that that is applicable to people. Mm -hmm. um, and for myself, how to think about people as stimulus response, but like more complex than that like right. thinking about like I was really diving into a lot of thinking about how um thoughts and what what we would call private events uh so internal cognition and thoughts and internal behaviors like the stuff right. that happens in your head is is a form of that and is a way to process is a way you that can be described as a behavior um, in, mm -hmm. in this model. Um, and so like the way that my mindset changed on considering those things, at least in a more like concrete way, I guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Cool. Um, Gleeful Bandon asked, what was something surprising you learned while writing it? Um, what was something surprising I learned while writing it? There was I mean, a lot I don't of know. There was I like don't a, know if I can answer that. There question. was actually some like <clears throat> there was some grammatical things that were surprising for me. While writing it, actually, <laughs> so this is this is uh, a little silly because I've been writing for a long time. Uh, and I knew this intuitively, or not intuitively, I knew this, like, academically, but always hated this. Punctua when, you're, when you're using quotation marks, the punctuation, quotation marks, the punctuation goes inside the quotation always, except for, like, colons. Um, and I that was something that I, like, remembered from school, but always, th like, was like, that can't be right. It doesn't look right. It's not right. No, it is. You, you put the punctuation inside the quotation marks. Right. Um, uh, I actually always thought that was logical. It doesn't sorry, make, it doesn't make sense <laughs> to me because if you're if you're making a quote, you need to. Uh, it's fine. It's stupid. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, because yeah. that you can't. And it's not. And and and, I mean, people have seen my writing. Like, it's not. Uh, I'm I'm oversimplifying my conception of it. Um, the other thing that was surprising to me was that um, Pavlov who everybody knows, Pavlov's dogs and the bells and stuff, he was not 
a psychologist. He was working on studying uh, digestion in dogs when he uh, like discovered the concepts behind classical conditioning. Right. Like what he was doing was he was doing experiments to like um, analyze saliva and analyze like stuff about digestive systems. Yeah. And then like it, then he noticed like oh shit. Yeah. They, they drool when the when the assistants come in. Which I'm actually just impressed with this intelligence at that point. Yeah. Like, more yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah right? which is very interesting. And also the, the whole, it was not, um, the bell is the most common, um, everybody thinks of it as, like, the drooling happens with the bell. Right. The bell was um, not the first nor the only sound that he was playing to mm-hmm. pair the association between uh, the food and... Uh, responses. So I found that was interesting too. Just a couple of Pavlov stuff. Now, do you know if he became a psychologist? Uh, I, well, I know that he was, I just don't remember that part. He, he was involved in, um, I'm not sure if he became a psychologist or like what that would even mean at that time. Like, was he doing therapy? No, as far as I know. No, I didn't. I guess I was just curious. He was definitely, he moved because I, I believe he moved into doing that study because it sounds like, like it. Yeah. I mean, if he experimented with it yeah. and everything, you have to have backing usually right. for that. Right. So. Um, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I thought that was very cool, too. I've always been very fascinated with him, so I learned a lot about him um, before I knew you. <laughs> and then Spinfrog Spin asked, what are the parts that you had to force yourself to leave in? Mm. And this was like. Do you want to admit this? Which part? No, I'm just asking. Like, just I mean. Yeah, I do. I okay, do. okay. I want to talk about this. So, um, when I was one of the last chapters that I wrote, like one of the last big sections that I was working on, was the risk chapter. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I was, like, at, like, 30K, and I was like, shit, this is, like, pretty much done at this point. And then I was like, you know what I really have not talked about is any of the darker things. Like, this is a book that gives a lot of technique and gives a lot of nice examples. But I have not talked about any of the, like, evil shit, which for a lot of people including myself, including you, is a part of brainwashing. Um, and I fought myself for a long time. I wrote the the first part of that chapter first, which is all about risk assessment and management. Right. And how to look for it in places like we were just talking about a little while ago. And then I come to the second half of the chapter where I have to put in examples and uh, describe some of the risky stuff. Yeah. And I wrote a couple sections and I hated them and I like (laughs) worked and worked and I went back and forth for so long. Like, should I just cut this whole thing? And yeah. Yeah. Ultimately I, I had a good writing day at some point and I wrote about the three things that are in that chapter, which are gaslighting, um, play involving addiction and play involving identity. Um, and I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I thought it was well done. Um, 
but I still like it doesn't feel weak to me they they feel like strong sections yeah. but at the same time I still am like oh, maybe I shouldn't have maybe I should have done something differently mm. like I don't know um because it is it is not only risky to do this play but also talk about it um that's a good point and of all the things that I could say that I would feel a little nervous about people like calling me out on something, it would be the darker stuff. Um, yeah. Like people who follow me in other places and like read my writing and stuff probably know that when I do like my date writings with Mr. Dream, there's a lot of stuff that I like purposefully leave out. Um, and so that's because I feel uncomfortable talking about it. Because maybe, you know, are people going to judge us for doing something risky um, and and tell us that we're doing it wrong? Or are people going to try to emulate it and without the same level of knowledge and, and mm. concerns that we have? Um, so some of the stuff... So I always was like... I was super wishy-washy about whether or not I should write any of that. And I didn't... And I was pretty vague about, in the book, so, like... The, about the risk? About the risk stuff in terms of, like, I'm not spelling out for people how to do exactly, like, making someone addicted to them or Oh, you definitely don't identity. go into... Would it make sense to me? Right. In the risk section to talk about how to do it. Well, it's riskier. Well, the whole, <laughs> it's, it's sort of a section that's both like, hey, there's pretty risky shit you can do. Here's some examples of it. Like, here's mm. some examples of, of risky play uh, or riskier play, right? This whole thing is risky. Everybody acknowledges that. Mm -hmm. um, and to some degree, like, some of this stuff about risk, like, addiction is going to happen in a relationship. Like, you're going to have dependency issues in a relationship. They're happening in every relationship. Right. And then when you're purposefully digging into it, you're ratcheting up the risk. Right. And, like, so how do you talk about that? Um, so, yeah, that had to... I, I had a lot of fighting with myself about that. Um, the other The other part that I was fighting with myself about was the fantasies chapter um there's a chapter on uh basically like doing it in a in a scene kind of scenario mm -hmm. way because a lot of people when we were teaching we were doing the brainwashing discussion we did two iterations of it one at charmed and one at nihu yeah um fairly close together and what we were noticing in both of those, people were very interested in the fantasy aspects of brainwashing. Makes yeah. sense. Um, it's a hot fantasy. And people were, you know, at, at some points, people were just sort of throwing around ideas for scenes, for brainwashing scenes. Yeah. Um, which I thought was very interesting. And I'm like, oh, people really want to know about yeah. these things. Like different examples and yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so... I was writing it, and that was another chapter that I had a lot of trouble with. Um, and I, I sort of, I definitely give examples, and I give ways to think about scenes, and especially I feel happy about uh, the way that I talk about how a scene can, 
like a role play scene can be metaphorical for or for a relationship and, and create change from just a, a role play fantasy sure, scene. Sure, sure. Um, but that was that was another one where for a long time I was I had so much trouble with that chapter. Yeah. Like, like going through it. Um, how many questions was that? Four? I think so. I think that was all of them. Um, let me check Twitter. Which I find very fascinating when people give like real time. Yes. Like that's always. This is fun. I should have done this earlier. Amazing to me. I should have done this earlier, but at the same time, it's fine. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for the questions, guys. I really appreciate you asking stuff. And Yeah, no, I mean, yay. I always love, uh, personally, when an author starts talking about their book. I'm always fascinated by, and this is probably the psychologist in me i'm always fascinated with why how uh-huh. you know the ins and outs almost more so than the book itself to some degree sometimes yeah i get that but well i mean it's really weird to like what were they thinking it is really weird to do a podcast on a book because i like to some degree i'm like well i could tell you the entire thing is that what i'm supposed to do here cc's shaking her head it's not that's not the point i supposed to like i don't know what i'm supposed to do really but i think i think this is fine um yay <laughs> yay uh well i guess i don't know do we have anything else to talk about i don't think so we even talked about our classes yeah. and that are coming up and like right around the corner which is scary we are doing um, if you are a good distance from the, uh, a, a venue called the Society in Hartford, Connecticut, um, I will be doing a book talk sometime in February, I think. Oh, after Charmed. Okay. Uh, after uh -huh. Charmed. Um, so if that is something that is semi-local to you or you want to take a little trip out and, mm -hmm. and see me talk, probably I'll have books to I don't know. I don't actually, I shouldn't promise that. I don't know if I'll have books, but I will have a pen. So if you want a book sign, <laughs> see me, I will have a pen. Um, and that will be good too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we'll take a little break, do some trance and yeah. All right. We're going to do some trance stuff, but also, uh, one of, one of my friends was, knew that we were recording the podcast and was joking about questions and so the question was what are your top five anime waifus and uh four of them are from the monogatari <laughs> series which is like my favorite show so spooky yogi hanakawa sandra kanbaru and then tied for fifth because <laughs> that show is the best girls tied for fifth are like kobayashi and toru from dragon maid mm. um uh, do you want to say? I don't want to say her name because it's a spoiler, but there's a really good girl from Attack on Titan. Uh, yeah, because her name's actually a spoiler. I mean, if you say her original. I can't remember. Krista. Krista. I couldn't Chris remember. Yeah, so, so Krista. Yeah, from Attack on <laughs> Titan. And then. Uh, who else did I say? Uh, and then the meme answer is Asuna from Sora Online. <laughs> Mikasa's like pretty her. good, though. Yeah, I like Asuna, too. She's actually a good waifu, even if that show is bad. Yeah. It's fine. 
I appreciate that they show like a, a a woman that can hold her own and everything like that. Yeah. And then also my wife, who's from Overwatch, are Mercy and Moira, because I have to say that. And Why? also I ship them. And also they're gay. And it's fine. Okay. <laughs> there's your... There's your there's your stupidity for the podcast today right before the trance really yeah was that <laughs> yeah that was needed yeah huh? i mean we're just gonna do brainwashing like what are we gonna do today brainwashing we're gonna do brainwashing we're gonna do brainwashing yeah. is it gonna be evil <laughs> i don't know is it yes uh-huh. <laughs> deep deep down that's right it's so nice to just sort of, like, find yourself in that place and go just in the exact right spot to make everything work and happen. Like, like going in the exact right place in your head, like, as though it is a physical place that you somehow travel to, like, somewhere deep inside of you, like, the deepest parts of you, that you can feel things happen, like, when stuff just clicks and works and does really, really well and really, really good work on your head. And it's so interesting to think about the concept of, like, that there is a, a space inside of you that makes things work better, um, and how much of that has been grown over so much time with you and I doing so much work inside your head. Um, and it's just, like, thinking about, like, how long it's been and how much more brainwashed you are now than we were when we started and like thinking back to how you felt like in those really early days even when we were first talking about it and then jumping into a year from then when you were you first told me that you were brainwashed and then that sort of kicked everything into high gear and you had no idea like you had no idea how intense it was going to get and to the same degree we can even sort of put that in the future tense and like if we're here now like what are things going to be like in a year or two years and what is that going to feel like? And what, how, how response, how much more responsive can you actually get? Because things are so fast already, but you know that they get faster and you know that it gets more intense. Like that, that sense that you always have where it's like, oh my God, it's just happening. It's just so fast. The responsiveness is so quick. And speed is a big part of it too, right? The, the way that things happen almost instantaneously and you're able to, to feel them happen almost without you having a part of it really because we have set we have set up so much in your head about making you a better subject and and making you be really effective to yourself and and doing all these little things and tricks that we've put in your head that make you more able to respond more perfectly every time learning new methods and ways and skills to be able to be such a good responsive brainwashed subject all of those things that sort of all float around and have their own places and have their own spots. You can almost conceptualize it as something like if you, there are different parts of your brain that respond and react differently, like they sort of light up and change, and it can touch individual parts of them and make them do stuff and play and perform for me. And it's all so good. It's so perfect and so good go deeper deeper even something as simple as that like that I know we've been talking a lot about depth and finding those places and and being able to get you into places where you just sort of like go deep deep in a way and gone 
That's right. Little shifts in your face that tell me exactly what's going on inside your head and that sense of being read so easily by me. It's so simple. Super good. That's right. I mean, thinking about how many of your responses are, are have been changed and manipulated over time. Like, there's so much, and every every single way that you respond at this point has been sort of touched and changed by me, for me, to suit me better, to make you better for me. Each of your responses, like the little ways that your mouth is twitching and the way that your eyes are rolled up, the things that are so concrete, the thought patterns that you have, the way that you get stuck sometimes, the way that you come out and you're still loopy, all of it, each little response, even the way that your, your body feels, the way that you find yourself in whatever position and you feel that sense and it's like, oh my god, that's right, that's a brainwashed response. And it's like almost every response that you have, you can be like, oh my god, that's right, that's a brainwashed response. And so to some degree it's about like when you notice the responses versus when you don't notice the responses or if there's something that was happening in the background that it comes to the surface and you're like, oh shit, that's right. That's a brainwashed response. And it's not even, I mean, it's so much like, of course, of course they are. Of course they're brainwashed responses. You are brainwashed. This is a part of you. This is a really deep intense part of you in like the really really low levels of yourself that you don't really have access to but I do and it's pretty powerful so you go deeper and you process all of that internally in ways that you really don't even fully get to recognize yourself but I know what's going on because I'm controlling it I'm controlling you go deeper that's right. And come back up. Mm. Hi. Hi. So yeah, that's brainwashing. <laughs> I don't know. In a nutshell. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> um, thanks everyone for listening. I hope that was fun and enjoyable. I'm going to really quickly check Twitter to make sure nobody else has said anything in the last couple minutes that I can respond to really quickly. I'm going to talk so that it doesn't seem like I'm floundering to make my phone work to get to Twitter and I check can talk. everything. Can you? Yeah, I can say I'm brainwashed. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't say too much more than that. Okay. Alright, great. Um, I will put links to the book, which is available on Amazon. Um, please check it out. I'm really proud of it. I had, it it was an amazing experience to be able to write it, and, um, thanks for listening. We're gonna go off and do our after hours thing. Uh... Um. Primed and brainwashed for that. Uh huh. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.